You know, if you're, if you're not going to change the world, don't say you're going to change the world. Don't greenwash things. Just be who you are. And if I get that consistent experience from the beginning through the end, from your messaging to how your product actually, you know, delivers on its promise, then I'll buy what you've told me. I'll buy the, the, the messaging that you've given me. And that's brand. And that's, that's branding is trying to influence that feeling. Welcome back, retail fans. Uh, my name is Mike Fowler. I am the host of Retail Oriented. Um, I am the VP of Retail Sales here at the Sales Factory. We're so excited to have you back. Today, we have a really special guest with us, um, Philip Oakley is not only VP of brand, he's also got a great, great background for talking about brands, specifically brands about retail. So we're so excited to have him on the show today. We're going to get into brand and how it affects your strategy at retail, all the different things. What is brand? Um, we're going to talk a lot about the word brand, what it means, what it means to consumers, what it means to retailers, all kinds of interesting stuff. So Philip, thanks for coming on the show. We're so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Um, by the way, all your guests are special, so it's okay. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Extra special guest, <laughs> Philip Oakley. So, Philip, let's start a little bit with your background. Right? Sure. So, I know you've got a, a history with Lowe's, with the blue guys and the aprons over mm -hmm. there. So, tell me about your background and yeah, sure. how that impacts brand, which so, we're going to talk about So, today. I'll go way back. Good. Back to high school, you know, the glory days, if you will. Uh, um, I took lots of art, uh, like college credit art classes in high school. Um, I was really excited about things. Didn't really have a lot of like, I don't know, ideas about what to do in college or leadership from, for, you know, where my aptitude would take me at the time. <clears throat> so I went to university and just floundered. Yeah. And I didn't know what I was doing. Um, so I took some time off instead of spending uh, money I didn't have and, uh, just got a part-time job, started working. Um, like anything else I did, I did it 110%. Um, and I started as a part-time loader at Lowe's. Two weeks later, I was in a department. <laughs> yeah. So it didn't take much for them to grab me by the scruff of the neck and bring me inside. Um, so ended up, uh, working in the paint department. Now this is early on. We had a spectrometer, which would measure paint and tell you what the formula was, but everything was tinted by hand, literally yeah. open up the, the, the paint, put it underneath and actually hand measure all the tint and then put it in a shaker. So I enjoyed that really enjoyed the work. Uh, from there, they pulled me into another role cause I knew a lot more. I, I just learned so much about the store quickly, um, ended up on a stock crew. And then six months later, I was running that third shift stock crew. And then the next spring season rolls around, they, they stick me out as a department manager running outdoor lawn and garden. And long story short, there were things that we did to that garden center that were outside of just customer service and price promotions. We actually changed the structure of that department as far as how traffic came in, how plants were taken care of, and the perception of how many parking places we had out front, which resulted in a 30% boon in sales. Yeah. So again, that was really my first taste of, I didn't realize it was strategy, but it was taking a step back. And now we call it cool things like design thinking. Yeah. Actually looking at patterns and understanding like, this is not working the way it should. We could actually be better if we did X, Y, Z. So from there, they immediately put me in a different position and started, I became a, an assistant store manager. And then they moved me. I ended up working at uh, four different stores for Lowe's as an assistant store manager. Wow. I've managed every every inch of that store at one point in time or another. I have 
driven deli- the delivery trucks when I shouldn't. Uh, I have, you know, I've, stu- I've, <laughs> I've stood behind the counter uh, wearing that red apron while some huge guy screamed at me because he didn't get what he wanted and had to talk him down and then make him my friend so I could help him. Yep. Um, so I didn't realize how many things I went through in life that made me a better, just kind of figured out who I was, but made me a better professional or a better person. And then one day I saw this movie called What Women Want. Mm-hmm with Mel Gibson. And uh, um, I was like, holy smokes. If you haven't seen the movie, he's an ad executive. And the whole thing is he, he does some silly things, gets the superpower where he can hear what women actually are thinking. And so he does some really terrible things. But the really cool thing that I was drawn to is when he started to understand what people actually needed out of life, what made them tick, mm-hmm. and how they needed more help, he could do that for brands too. And I was like, that's what I want to do for a living. And so uh, my easy course into marketing and advertising was through graphic design. Uh, I went back and just got a design and advertising degree. And then I've spent the last 20 years um, doing just that, you know, going from being a designer to getting into strategy, starting my own firm, and then joining Sales Factory to, to learn a lot more about the world of marketing. Yeah, that's really interesting. I always, I remember seeing that movie for the first time. And it sounds like from what you just said, your superpower, if you could choose one, would not be flying or invisibility. It would be the power to understand what people Can you think imagine? and how they make decisions, yeah. right? That would be really cool. And that's cool. what we try to do. Literally, that is what that is a huge part of what we do in marketing is try to understand people and how we can help them. Uh, and and that's that that can be really fulfilling when you figure that out. <laughs> yeah. So you, you did spend a lot of hours mm-hmm. in the store in different roles and different capacities. Um, you learned a ton about retail during that time. What were some brands that kind of jumped out to you that stood out, made an impact and you, you noticed them sure. in your role? You know, it's interesting. Um, there were some brands that now, if you take a step back and what, what they would tell us, I'm going back to my paint department days. Yeah. Some of the things they would tell us, oh, this, this, this product is far superior to this one. Like it's going to last longer. It's going to, you know, it's going to harden the wood differently, yada, yada, yada. And it didn't matter because what happened was the pros were coming in and they were buying specific types of caulk, specific types of water sealer. Some of it was because they knew how to work it. It worked easier for the mm-hmm. pro. It may mm-hmm. not last longer, but it didn't damage their tools. Uh, they didn't have to go through as many rollers. Um, and so they were really drawn to a product, not because of quality and not because of price, but how efficiently they could use the product. And if they had to come back and put it down again a few years later, they didn't care. Sure. Ultimately, if you literally, if you're buying a product that was twice as expensive, it's the same cost in the long run, but they were able to actually remove friction and remove stress in their life by using certain types of products. And that really stood out to me. Yeah. Because the consumers would come in and say, well, what are the pros buying? Mm. Or they'd watch a pro come in and get five gallons of something and take it to the counter. Well, why are they buying that? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because, honestly, it's because it, it works under the wall easier. That's why. Well, that sounds lovely. I'm not a professional. If, if it's easier for the pro, isn't that what I should buy? Yeah. And again, these are just little insights if you paid attention, not just listen to the literature and the pitch and the marketing and like, oh, this product's better. Define better. It's better because it's going to last longer, better because it costs 40% more, 80% more, 200% more, yeah. or better because I'm going to have more confidence putting it on the surface. Sure. And that, was, that stood out a lot for me. Yeah, that's really interesting to see the influence of pros on DIYers Absolutely. at all levels and all categories, right? It, it, it tends to happen. Absolutely. Um, so we're kind of talking about brand 
interchangeably with manufacturer, mm-hmm. but we know that that's not really the case. We're talking about, we're talking about manufacturers, yeah. right? We're talking about different companies that dif- do different things well in mm-hmm. categories, but let's take a quick step back mm-hmm. and kind of define for our viewers how we think of brand. You're the VP of brand at sales factory. Mm-hmm. So I think you've got a pretty good grasp on it. So what, what is brand to start with? So if you go to Twitter or LinkedIn and ask that question, you'll get hundreds of answers. <laughs> I and don't, please don't make th- me do that. They're all right. And they're all wrong. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. Cause ultimately brand is what we care about here. It's, it's my opinion. If I say it's, it's your reputation, it's your reputation. Ultimately at its core, and this is my opinion, and I picked this up from a few people that I engage with and follow. Sure. It's, it's my gut feeling about something else, not just products and services. Now we have something called personal branding, which is trite. And, and a lot of people don't like that, but ultimately it, it is, it's how I feel about you. Mm-hmm. And the good thing about branding is you can try to influence the way I feel about you, but it's how you act. It's not your promotions. It's not, it's not the commercials. Um, you know, it's, it's how you act on and off the field that matter. And if you can do all the things you say you can do from, from how your marketing, your, your, excuse me, let's make sure I'm using the right word, your promotions, mm-hmm. <laughs> your commercials and your out of home, et cetera, communicates to what I experience when I'm having that first moment of truth with your product to later when I'm actually using the product to how I see you act ethically. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if you're not going to change the world, don't say you're going to change the world. Don't greenwash things. Just be who you are. And if I get that consistent experience from the beginning through the end, from your messaging to how your product actually, you know, delivers on its promise, then I'll buy what you've told me. I'll buy the, the, the messaging that you've given me. And that's brand. And that's, that's branding is trying to influence that feeling. Yeah. So I, I talk a lot. If you, if you listen to me ever or have a conversation <clears throat> with me ever, you hear me talking about authenticity and mm-hmm. trust. Mm-hmm. And so one of the questions I had was, you know, how do you get brand right? You talked a lot about things that lead to trust mm-hmm. and it's through authenticity. Is that, is that like what brands need to strive for or what do you think a brand needs to strive for to get things right that's a it's a really good question and it's it's a shame that all these words authenticity as another one has absolutely just become trite yeah and it's because it's overused and it's overused in a way that it's it's shoehorned into promotions shoehorned into a company message or especially going back to the personal brand like someone's i'm an authentic blah 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 if you have to say it right don't (laughs) tell me do it Give an example, be an example for everything else. Um, so a lot of times, and this is where marketing needs branding and branding needs marketing. I see them as, as, as you know, two hands to the same business. Um, marketing helps you understand the target audience, helps create those products, helps create the right positioning, the right placement, the right pricing, mm-hmm. and make sure that you get it out in front of the right people and create the messaging in order to actually get them to accept and purchase that product. Some of that is the brand in action. Now, where you get that authenticity is taking the brand deeper past just the external messaging. And and I'm going to mess this up, but one of my favorite stories, (laughs) I guess I should know it. Um, Years ago, I can't remember the, uh, I can't remember the agency, but there was an agency that went in to work with Pedigree. Mm-hmm. And they sat down with the board and they were talking about all the things we were going to do. And they started hearing these conversations from the board. Someone on the board hated cats. Someone on the board didn't have a dog. 
And the agency, now you have to be pretty darn strong in, in your own sure. <laughs> authenticity. Do <laughs> The agency basically said, we have some amazing things we're going to do for you, but until this board loves pets, how can you be the best pet food maker <laughs> in the world? Yeah, We're not going to make empty messaging that's not authentic just to sell more dog food. When you're ready, we'll help you become the best dog food manufacturer in the world. And they left. <laughs> And the beautiful thing is, yeah. six months later, Pedigree called them back. And they had replaced some members on the board. And by God, everyone loves dog food. <laughs> and so th that to me is doing it. It's not just the external thing to, to sell more product. Because eventually your consumers are going to sniff through that, right? Mm -hmm. they're gonna, if it's not authentic, they're going to feel it. Sure. But if you love dogs and you provide the best dog food and the best care in the world, I'm not, I'm not saying Pedigree does that, by the way. I'm just telling a story. Your consumers can can attach themselves to that and buy into it and trust you. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about things that are kind of at the core of who you are as a company. Right? That's right. So that's that's kind of really important to to brand and and being successful with your brand long term, right? Because it's you're not pushing for the short term win. You're pushing for a long term relationship. That's right. With the people that are interacting with your brand. What are some of the, the outward symbols? Because we all, a lot of people associate brand with colors, yeah, trademarks, sure. logos, all that kind of thing. What, what are some of the, the outward symbols that signify a brand? Because it's not just a logo or it's not just a color. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that and, and just kind of how that um, is impacted. Because you said it's, it's everything that you do, mm -hmm. right? And I want to hear right. a little bit more about that so these people listening or watching at home can kind of understand like, oh, okay, that's brand also. That's right. So if you're watching this video, um, if you're listening, great, you can still do this test. If you're watching this video, look at the laptop in front of you and take your thumb and put your thumb over the logo or look around your room, your sunglasses, your shoes, whatever it is, put your thumb over the logo and think about, do I know what that brand is without the logo? It works for cars. It works for um, alcoholic, you know, like liquor. It works for uh, shoes. I may have said shoes, what? It, it works for almost everything. If you can put your thumb over the logo and still know what that product is, then the brand exists for you. Mm -hmm. If someone has manufactured a product and just slapped a logo on it and you can cover up that logo with your thumb, it doesn't pass the thumb test. It's just an item that someone's hocked to you. Yep. So, Brand is so much bigger than the logo. It is the colors, it's the fonts, it's the smell, it's the sound. Um, I mean, um, what's what's one of our favorites? You know, da -dum. you know, Netflix has made such a big difference now. Uh, Apple did it earlier on. You know, you turn on the Apple, you'd mm -hmm. hear it. Or turn on a Mac, you'd hear it. Of course, um, Adidas is a good example. I think I'm a big Adidas fan, so I'm just going to go there. You can put your thumb over the logo. There's still three stripes. Yeah. Okay. You're going to cover up the logos and the stripes. Okay, now you're going to see the toe box is a little bit bigger than Nike's. So there's there's a lot of things that go into a brand that make it different than the other brands around them. Um, uh, makers, I've, I've posted this in the past. A Maker's Mark is a good example. Mm -hmm. A good bourbon. Um, put your thumb over the logo, but that's not the most recognizable thing on the bottle. It's the wax. It's the hand-dipped wax seal that they put on the top. You'd actually cover that up. <laughs> and reveal the logo and yeah. do a better job of hiding the sure, brand. Sure. So, so it's it's all the things that are that are around the brand that it, anything that can engage with a human. 
sight, sound, taste, feel, obviously anything visual, but yeah, uh, try to explore all of that and see how you can differentiate yourselves and create little memories in your consumer's brains outside of uh, just the logo. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. And I hope people listening at home are thinking about how do the, how do they apply that mm. to what they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. To, to mm -hmm. what they're manufacturing or who they're engaging with, Absolutely. how they're engaging at retail. So I, I kind of want to talk about how brand applies at retail next. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're thinking about your brand, um, and, and partnering with a retailer, how does that differ or does that need to differ as opposed to if you're a brand that's selling direct to consumer mm -hmm. or selling through, you know, kind of more traditional distribution methods as yeah. opposed to like a big retailer or a e-commerce retailer? So uh, what's interesting, brick and mortar is, um, you know, we shouldn't take brick and mortar and separate it from DTC or separate it from e-com or separate it from channels like Amazon. It's, because people are still going to shop those places when they're standing at retail, right? Sure. They're going to stand in front of a bay and they're going to be overwhelmed because they're used to having control over what's under their nose on the phone, right? Or scrolling through one item at a time on Amazon. Um, when they're standing in retail, I don't care if it's the grocery store or Lowe's or heck even, you know, going to buy a new car, you know, you're just faced with this wide variety of things and you start asking questions. And you don't always get an associate who can walk up or a rep who's happened to be in the store that day or, or enough room in the store for some nice, you know, signage to help you make those decisions. The first thing consumers do is pull out their phone. Mm -hmm. So the difference at retail is we get to touch it. But before people touch it, they're most likely going to go to their phone. So if you can guide people and help them understand how to connect that retail experience with e-com, DTC, anything else, any material, give them a QR code, give them a little signage, put it right on the package, have questions, here's your answers. Mm -hmm. Be the source of the solution for them because the moment they get on to Google, well, someone else is dying to get them into, yeah. a, 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 into a digital shopping experience, sure. right? Um, you know, tell them right on the package or right at the shelf, you have YouTube videos, they're gonna answer all the questions or show them exactly how to do it. Don't leave it up for them to go to YouTube and find someone, else, someone else's how-to videos because mm -hmm. they've probably been sponsored by your competitors. Yeah. Right? The other thing is uh, if you can get them to actually touch that product, take it off the shelf, don't hide it in a clamshell, give a little window, make sure they can see the product. Again, the, the touch, this tangible thing is what's different between physical retail and, and, and what's online. If they can physically touch the product, product, if you can get them to take the product off the shelf, they're 30% more likely to buy that product. Than what's on their phone yeah that's huge it's huge that's a big deal so yeah take advantage of take advantage of being in the retail but do not ignore the other channels because the only channel that matters is right here in the consumer's minds am i ready to buy this product it doesn't matter where it's trying to be sold yeah yeah so i think that's that's a really important point is that you have got to take advantage of the opportunity that you have at retail to close that deal yes. right then and there. Right. So, cause once, once they go online, once they pick their phone out of their pocket and start looking on Zam Amazon, all bets are off, <laughs> right? Like it can exactly. be to their house that afternoon, most likely. So if you're going to be in store, be ready to be there and mm -hmm. close some sales in the store. Don't let people walk out. Right. Absolutely. Cause it's all bets are off. All bets are off. At, I like that, that point. <laughs> um, 
All right, Philip, we're learning a ton about brand um, so much, in fact, that I think we're going to break this into two episodes or a two part series on brand with Philip Oakley. He's had a ton of really cool stuff. I've took taken a peek at his notes. I know he's got a lot more interesting stuff to share with you guys. So we're going to break this into two parts. Um, we hope that you'll come back and check out part two uh, of the brand series uh, with Philip Oakley. Uh, there's a lot more to share that we're excited about sharing with you guys. Um, but if you've enjoyed this part, part one of, of talking about brand at retail with Philip Oakley, click the like button, click the subscribe button, hit the little bell icon, wherever you're watching or listening to your podcast, whether it's YouTube, Apple, Spotify, whatever, um, go ahead and leave a little rating there or comment. If you got some, some feedback for us or something that you want to see or hear, drop it in the comment section or shoot me an email personally, mike.fowler at salesfactory.com. We would love to hear from you guys what you want to see more of on retail oriented. So reach out to us, go on our website, salesfactory.com, fill out a form. We want to hear from you guys. Um, and remember when you're thinking about retail, when you're thinking about brand at retail, it's all about selling in and selling through.